0: We are entering into Thanksgiving, and a great way to enter in is to do what we've been doing today—just give, right? And uh, we have been giving thanks, we have been giving gifts and offerings and finances, and giving praise and honor to those who are, who are due honor. And we want to do that. This is a quick Thanksgiving, right? Because we're uh, we're rolling into our Christmas season earlier this year, so Advent is going to begin the last uh, week of of November. So we want to. Um, take advantage right away of uh, entering into Thanksgiving season. Uh, We'll be talking about it a little bit later, uh, more extensively, but we want to encourage those of you who will help us to come to the uh, telethon, which is on the 17th. Uh, Amanda and Vanessa do a fantastic job every year of leading this. It'll be live. And so we have, you can do this one of two ways this year. We're doing something a little bit different. If you will serve on our calling team, we need certain amount of you to be here, because it's going to be on uh, the video that we're, we're showing that are making calls. And what we ask you to do is to call family and friends and, and share with them the needs. We have three uh, areas that we're trying to minister to this year. Uh, uh, it is One of them is Feed the People, which we, we've taken on as kind of an, uh, an ongoing ministry that is local for us here. Kristen Alvarez leads that. We have participated in that. How many of you that are present here today went with us on Feed the People? I see, okay, Barbara does it regularly. Um, And some of the rest of you guys joined us in our class when we went. And um, so it was great. We went downtown and and helped uh, feed people. Clothing is needed. Um, Shoes, especially men's shoes. If any of you guys have men's shoes of of any sizes that you have up in your closet that you're not wearing, um, then all kinds of stuff like that is needed. Kristen parks her trailer out here on our property, Uh, we can load that up and uh, put stuff there that will help these guys out. It's it's a real blessing. We also are, this year, uh, looking to a church in Romania that I'm very familiar with. We had Pastor Mihai here from Emmanuel Church in Galatz, and uh, this has been, you know, we think it takes a long time to do construction if it takes a year and a half or two years to build a a big building, how would you like to be building for 20 years? (laughs) 20 years. So the first thing they were able to complete was the children's area and that's where they have been meeting for their services and, you know, having the children meet at a different time. And so the other part has been under construction as they are raising the funds to do it right. Um, money in in, uh, Romania is, uh, hard to come by. And so, Uh, They have been getting uh, funds, and some churches in the states have partnered with them. So they're finished, and it's beautiful, uh, but it needs some things inside that you and I take for granted, which uh, one of them is a digital mixer, um, about $3,000. So that's something that uh, I'm pledging that I I think we can do for them. Uh, There are other things. They're they're partially paid on their chairs they put in there. They're there's other needs like that. So if we get to that point, we can help beyond what uh, I've taken on that I think we can do. Uh, We'll try to do that as well. And then of course, uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, lost and found uh, the ministry of Bill and Tammy in Chiapas, uh, Mexico, we helped with, uh, I think last year, and uh, they are doing such an awesome work uh, bringing in children from all over Mexico who's uh, who do not have a family and uh, they adopt them and bring them into their household. They have now raised some of these kids, they're adults, and now they're contributing and helping on the ranch. And uh, just a couple of years ago, so this is the, the reason that uh, I felt to adopt them this year. God placed it on their heart because they were starting to have services and they were growing. And so God placed it on their heart to build a campus church. And so now they have a church. Uh, listen to this, they're, they're, they're running four or 500 people uh, a week on the and this was not their intent they did not God's just kind of turning things there and uh, tammy has worked with the local prison ministry and some other things around there over the years so we are grateful to to partner with them we know there are some particular needs in the new campus there and as i see them uh, week to week worshiping there in circumstances that in america most of us would not no air conditioning uh you know lots of things that we take for granted i'm just moved uh to to help and to be a part of what's going on there so three great ministries that we've adopted this year uh, for Thanksgiving, and at the telethon we're going to invite you to participate in that so if you can do it from home or here and what we to have you do if you're at home is you're gonna you're gonna text us what you're seeing because we're running a real numbers total up here, and we will keep adding to the number total to show uh, what the giving has been. Last year, uh, over $11,000, you guys have always exceeded our expectations. We set a goal somewhere and you just blow it away. Um, I remember that first year we'd, we'd set a goal of three thousand know, dollars. It was the very first time that we'd done anything like this, and you guys came in around thirty-seven, thirty-eight hundred. Uh, then we went to five thousand. You came in around sixty-eight hundred. Then we went to ten thousand. You came in around eleven-three. And so, uh, you're amazing. We love you. We appreciate your heart for God, and uh, we want you to pray about what God would have you do and how you can help out. So, if you want to participate in Um, the the telethon as as a caller for us, either at home or up here at some of the... We have two tables we set up here, and you want to participate. Then see Amanda or see Vanessa, and they will get you plugged in, right? Okay. So we have... You have your Bibles with you. We're looking at Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 10. I'm excited about opening uh, Thanksgiving with this message. The series theme is In God We Trust, and this has uh, always been one of my favorite uh, New Testament stories. And there are so many things that we can learn from it. Uh, let's start with, uh, the, with verse uh, one, uh, 1 in chapter 14. Please stand for the reading of God's word. We're looking again at Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Mark chapter 14, verse 1. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table, talking about Jesus, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, asking you to open our hearts to what you want to say to us today through your word let us receive this. And my prayer this Thanksgiving for every person who's here is that we will not only be spectators, but participators in the presence of God and the things that you want to accomplish through us. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Looking through the text, I want to hit on a few things. Uh, we're going to talk about three in particular in this passage. 1st uh, first, uh about how a woman came. A woman came to Jesus. And then we are going to look at, uh, they rebuked her harshly. And then we're going to look lastly at, she did what she could. She did what she could. I want to point out uh, a couple of things here. First of all, the setting that we see, the scheming in advance, uh, about how to catch Jesus. And, uh, then we also see one of the disciples that Jesus chose, right, um, making a decision based on his upset about this event. Likely, had was a contributing factor to Judas uh, betraying Jesus. Not that he was not going to do that anyway; it was set in his heart. But uh, that this was definitely maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. Was watching what we are going to talk about today happen and his frustration with it he was the person in charge of the money how many of you would be excited about starting a small business and putting a thief in charge of your money anybody (laughs) at all would like that Um, another thing that that often stands out in this this passage is uh the phrase that is used here where jesus says the poor you'll have with you and and uh, you can help them any time. I like the way it reads in this um, uh, particular uh, version. And uh, but you know, the poor you'll have with you always is something I grew up with the King James uh, version. You know, uh, but she has done what she could. And and it it can sound at first glance as if Jesus is just like you know, poor are not important. No, don't take care. You know, think about me. I'm here. Uh, and and it's explained. I think very well in, in this passage, the, the meaning of this uh, saying, always there was going to be a need around you. There's always going to be people in need. And often people have brought needs upon themselves by uh, their their poor life decisions and things like that. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have any less compassion for it and we shouldn't be a part of helping resolve that. But the point is, there's always going to be these needs. And so how do we live our life uh, in the moment where there are needs all around us. And and what is pointed out in this passage is that we should do what is needful in the moment. We should focus our attention on what is glorifying to God in the moment. We can't be everywhere and do everything for everyone. But we can glorify God in uh, our calling and in what we are supposed to be doing in that particular moment, Right? And so, you know, that's pointed out here that she has done what she could. And uh, that this, this is, is what's vital and it's important. I, I preached a message years ago in, uh, when we were at Christ Church in Phoenix on the tyranny of the urgent, you know, how we are driven sometimes by, you know, just the urgency of what's happening. Broken pipes and, and uh, different kinds of things that are real that are happening. Flat tires. And, and we're driven by these things and, and we get frustrated because, uh, each, each impending, each failure of, of uh, the refrigerator or the stove leads us to, to pull money out of our account and go do something uh, that we hadn't even thought about we were going to be doing and we're just driven by this tyranny of the urgent, right? It's urgent. We have to resolve it. We have to take care of it. And not living that way as Christians, but living by the sense of what is needful. What is needful for this moment? God, I want to honor you in what is needful in this moment and uh, you know, resolve, resolve that and take care of that. We had an issue several years ago where uh, an appliance went out and uh, we could go down and purchase it. We felt led not to do that and, the, and something else arose in the family where we were able to minister to that need. And then God, through someone, provided a, a love offering and a gift. They didn't have any idea what uh what was going on with us that helped us to be able to replace that uh that unit and i often thought well if we would have ran and and done what you know you're driven by urgency we'd have ran and replaced that appliance we would have missed the blessing of helping someone else but by waiting it doesn't you know you don't have it for a few weeks or a month you know so you have to go out and eat or whatever you have to do it's not a horrible thing right and then God provided and took care of it. So that's that's what that uh, lesson is about. I want to talk to you just a little bit about Jesus' uh, selection of, of, before we get into what we're talking about today, his selection of these uh, this cast of, of, of crew that's around him. It's clear, I think, when we, we read through uh, the disciples that Jesus chose and selected when he was here on earth uh, to do God's will, that he didn't create a high-performance team, did he, uh, to get the job done? Uh, he didn't put together a complex organization of some kind, nor did he choose the most strategic individuals from a human point of view. I'd, I'd be willing to to bet that uh, if you were starting a small business uh, in Jesus' day, that you, you might not consider, um, you know, very many of those disciples to to be a partner with you. Maybe none of them <laughs> to partner with you, and it might maybe for a number of reasons. You, you know, they don't uh, they didn't have the money. They Uh, didn't have the education, they didn't have world experience that you might want to start a small business, Uh, maybe not even connections, you know, networks and things like that. And uh, so one of the lessons, though, that we learn from Jesus' selection of these disciples, uh, the ones that he chose, is this, and it's so very important before we launch into what we're going to teach today, and that is that spiritual community is not something that we ourselves create. Spiritual community is not something that we ourselves create. I love every one of you that are here and that call this your church home, but I don't know that we would have chose each other. You know, we're out walking in the marketplace, so let's all do this together or whatever, you know. Uh, God has brought us together, hasn't he? It's it's been miraculous to see that God is building spiritual community. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer emphasizes that point in his uh, book, Life Together. He says, Christian community is founded solely on Jesus Christ. And in fact, it already exists in Christ. Uh, It is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. Isn't that awesome? Uh, God does the work. And so I bring that to bear because all of these people that are in that room... That are following Jesus, that have been selected by Jesus, are the community that he's creating. But we see them in various levels of, of growth and understanding about what's going on here, right? Uh, and, and head and shoulders above all of them uh, rises this woman who came. And that's where we're beginning, right? The woman who came to Jesus, there was something that she understood uh, at this point in her walk and relationship with Jesus... That was above many others that were in that room on that day. First of all, uh, let's take a look at what happened here. At, at the, the container is important. It's a, it's an alabaster flask container. It, it indicates uh, something of precious value in that day uh, they, they, that was rare. You know, we see glass all the time and we don't think much about it. You know, we, we see fine works of glass all around and it's because it can be mass produced, it is uh, less expensive. Uh, but in that day, not so. That was something that would have been noticed by everyone. Uh, that would have been something that would have stood out head and shoulders above everything else the contents of it, a precious ointment. We can do research, We, you know, uh, I won't go into that today, but uh, I believe in, in the foothills of the Himalayas, uh, Nard was, was, was what was found there. A rare, rare ointment or perfume that was made and so precious and rare and had sojourned or traveled a long ways to get to the place where it was and into the hands that held it. The cost of it, uh, we're told, is a a year's wage. I I would venture to guess that there's no men in the room that have bought your wife a perfume that costs you a year's wage. Is there anyone? Because I'd like to meet you. If you have, uh, that would be very impressive uh, if you had done that. And uh, I'd like to get to know you and know how uh, you lived the rest of that year. Uh, John reminds us something that's interesting about, uh, in in his recounting of of this particular story, we have the Harmony of Gospels on it, Uh, John reminds us that the fragrance of the perfume filled the room, it filled the house, and everyone could smell it before they had seen it you know, they they could smell something had happened there. Uh, It was probably, you know, uh, in that day and in that time, uh, something that would have drawn people around, like the the smell itself, to follow the path of it and to see where uh, the contents of this were. The monetary value, though, was probably the least of the cost of it. Uh, Yes, a year's uh, wage, but the least of the real cost of it, you know, because um, a lot of times, how many of you have had experiences in your life where if you had the money to throw at something, you'd throw at it rather than, than to have to go through uh, the, the, the consequences of that particular kind of experience? I, I, we just came through one with with Emmy. I, I would have, like, we would have collected a huge offering from our family to give to the hospital that, that would not have it included having to take Emmy there and go through those agonizing days of, of what what took place in in that hospital. All of us would have said, you know, let's pay. So money, really, right, is not always the measure. Of, of what something really cost or what, what, what it really took place there. The, the monetary value was, was, was probably really the least of the costs. Um, this kind of possession would have been familiar uh, an, a, a kind of family heirloom uh, that was passed down from, from generation to generation. She would have likely received it uh, from her through her family as, as an heirloom passed down. And, and archaeologists tell us uh, they, they've discovered, uh, biblical archaeologists, uh, that this kind of ointment was used, really in two, uh, one of two occasions. Okay, so as a as a dowry gift, uh, from the bride to the groom, uh, to secure uh, their part in in contribution towards uh, the engagement and wedding, and so that might have been uh, what was given. So, uh, there, so we're talking about the costs of the future, right? And the 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 second way that archaeologists have found that this was used was, uh, let's say this woman had been unmarried her whole life, then it, it would have eventually been used as uh, anointing her body when she died. It would have been the final gift bestowed upon uh, her as a memorial of her life here on earth and the things that she had done, and, and it would have been used to anoint her body um, And to keep her body uh, anointed for burial. And in this action, when she is is pouring out this ointment on Jesus, I I want you to understand that, to understand she's pouring out her future. right? She's pouring out her dowry. She's she's pouring out her future uh, anointing uh, for burial. She's, She's spilling it out, what she has. She's pouring out... Her security for the future. Difficult times had come. It would have been something she could have used to barter and trade for food, for clothing, for shelter. She is sacrificing, if you will, her future, but also her present, as we read in the text, right? In that, how is she sacrificing her present? In that she was rebuked by those who were present in the room And and likely, that rebuke went on. Our stories are told around, right? And as she would walk downtown, you know, uh, later in the week, people would be shaking their heads. What a waste. I I could have never have given up my future like that. You know, someday, she's going to be wishing she had that. I'm not going to be there for her. She, she might need that to trade. Someday when she wants to get married and she doesn't have a dowry, she, she's going to regret. So there, there were whisperings and murmurings, probably weeks, months, years beyond uh, what was happening. So not only did, did this sacrifice her, her future in a literal way, but, but her present in terms of, uh, of many who would change their opinion about her. Many considered what she did a, a foolish act because... It was sacrificial giving. It wasn't the opening of this and and taking a bit out for now and and kind of finding a way to reseal this up and uh, hold it for for later. Like I just, Jesus, I want to anoint you and I'm going to give you a little bit here, you know, a dab here and a dab there and and I'm grateful for you and uh, that's, that's my gift to you and I'll just keep the rest of this for later. She did not give just a portion of it. But the Bible tells us she broke the flask so that there would never be any retrieving of that gift or keeping what was left over. It was broken. There was no container to put it back into. So the first thing that we have is is a woman who came to Jesus to offer everything, lay it all out on the table, a sacrificial offering. But the second thing we see here is in the text, she was rebuked harshly. We read it a moment ago. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. What a waste. They were, they were grumbling. They were complaining around her. And here's I think what rises as maybe not so obvious a question, but as we think about it, as we study God's word, as we look back at this story, there's a question that arises from the response to this sacrificial offering. And that question is this. Why would you not celebrate and be joyful when you see someone give generously or sacrificially to God? So there, there was a question in that day, the people in that room, what's wrong with your heart? What's... What, what are you holding on to, you know, holding out from Jesus? What, what, what are you holding more precious than rejoicing over the moment when somebody comes to Jesus and gives him everything? And I think one of the answers, and one that we might be dealing with in our day, Is that this life more than eternity with God was prioritized? In other words, their next life experience was more valued than honoring God and surrendering everything that they had in their future. They would have held on to it because I might get married and I want to, you know, I want the best. And this is going to secure it for me. I might need this to exchange at some point in in history to, to get something that I need. And I want to hang on to it. And it's a picture of us when we are loving this life too much. We cherish these moments above everything else. And we're not really living kingdom living We're living self-living and we're thinking about our next moments and what is more important to us is that we get what we need or what we want or we're able to take care of some emergency. And this woman who sacrificed her future is saying, in that moment, Jesus, I put all my trust in you. I put my future in you. I am not going to depend on me because I've done that in my past and it's a wreck. It's a total train wreck when I'm in charge of making all the decisions and doing everything. I do like like it says in Proverbs. There's a way that seems right to me but it always leads to destruction. And so... I want to give everything to you right now and say, I belong to you. And if I have a future on earth in this life, it'll be because you granted me that future and provided for me. You are my provider. I am not the provider. She did not, you know, as as she did this without without man's approval, she, she did this out of a completely surrendered heart. The fragrance of the room and the broken alabaster vial were her testimony for everybody to see, and so what we see in that room taking place in her harsh rebuke is we see conviction, we see a sense of of, uh, of guilt in people who aren't responding to the conviction because guilt doesn't come from God, it comes from the enemy. It's the enemy working that, that conviction around. Conviction draws us back to God. See what she's done. I love you so much. You have an opportunity now to respond because you've visually seen what's going on. The enemy says, see what she's done. That's, that's horrible. You should take care of yourself. But there's a guilt. Like, I'm a disciple, I should be the one doing the most for Jesus. I mean, everybody should be writing about me and thinking about me when they hear the testimony of the gospel. From this point forward, Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, her story will be told. And some of those guys in the room going, hey, my story should be told. You you aren't where you need to be yet. You aren't fully surrendered. We start seeing that happen in the disciples a lot after Uh, the the day of Pentecost, and and we see a whole different crew, don't we, (laughs) that flips the world upside down. They all got there, but they weren't there in this moment. She could have spent her life telling others about how much she loved Jesus. It would not have brought much conviction on people and maybe not made a difference in anyone for her just to tell the story of how much she loved Jesus. But when she showed how much she loved Jesus, the heart of sacrificial giving, it was a convicting witness to others. Her story went on and on and on. And so Jesus says of her, the last point that we're looking at, she did what she could. I love that because that's been my experience. Jesus has never asked for something that I couldn't, right? He's like, I want you to be the brightest, most intelligent person on the planet. Bump. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Picked the wrong guy. <laughs> I want you to be the best musician and bring worship. Whoops. <laughs> He's always asked me for what I could do. And and, and that's the story of her. The testimony, not of man, but of God vindicates her and her actions. She did what she could. She poured out, it says, perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever the gospel is preached, uh, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world that she has done uh, will also be told in memory of her of her own free will, without any kind of selfish motivation or expectation that she was going to be paid back uh, or taken care of in any other way. She took what she had, and she did what she could do in that moment. This was her opportunity. Tomorrow was not promised. She took advantage of the day. She did what she could. While others were pontificating about what should be done, what could be done, she acted sacrificially in that moment. She did what she could in that moment, that carpe diem. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I am seizing the day. I'm seizing the moment right now, uh, and, and I am I'm moving in to do what I can, what what is what is in my ability, what what I have to do. You know, I love I love it when Alistair Begg was telling the story of the the three uh, crosses. You know, and he and he, he says he's always marveled at at you know the difference of opinion on either side of the cross and. And how one of them, you know, is recognizes that hey, this man has done no wrong, and he had, he's paying for crimes that he didn't do, and and we, we're just paying for the crimes that we did. And and he says, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." And Jesus says, uh, "Today you, you will be with me in paradise." And and uh, the other guy was still rebuking and and cursing and saying, "If you're you're powerful, and bring yourself down, save us too, or whatever." And uh, you know, he's he was just stunned at it. But he says, what, what's, what I think about what stuns me the most is like this guy showing up at the gates, you know, of heaven and, uh, you know, wanting to get in. And they're like, uh, well, you know, uh, let's, uh, before, you know, I don't have your name on the list. you you know, uh, I don't, I don't see you anywhere here. Let me just find out uh, about your theology. Do you, do you believe, you know, in, in, uh, redemptive work of Christ? I don't know what that means. Do, do do you believe <laughs> uh, you know or, or do you believe that, that uh, this is the one true gospel? I, I've never had one. Then hold Well how how did you how did you get here? And Alistair Begg says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. <laughs> That's what happens when you when you do what you could and, and the man on the middle cross says you, you can come. You can be, you know, if you, if you offered me everything that you had, if you gave it to me, you can come. You can be a part of it. She sees the day, the opportunity to glorify the Lord. And though she was harshly rebuked for it, in that moment, I think many of those grew up later in Christ and recognized what a sacrifice, sacrificial giving. How is it that Some can see the moment, but others can experience it, you know? And we touched on this a little bit last week, how easy it is to become a spectator. I talked to us about an experience that happened in the baptistry when we were praying. And and how easy it can be for us to be spectators of what is happening there. Isn't it neat what God's doing in somebody else's life, and isn't that cool, and stuff like that. And, and others will be participators. They're the ones breaking the vial and spilling out the ointment and anointing and praising God and worshiping. And it is my prayer and my goal for us coming through this Thanksgiving that we are no longer spectators, but we are participators in true worship of the living God. This year, as we open Thanksgiving, You know, it is, it is my prayer that we will, we will get there. We will get to the place that we are worshiping God in spirit and truth. I want to invite our our worship team to prepare to come. But here's in, in this passage, I think is the key for us to get there. And that is sacrificial giving of yourself to God. Completely giving yourself to God. And, and here is the problem. Okay. If you can hear this. Uh, this morning, for those of you online, those of you on campus, here's, here's our problem, is we're struggling in basic Christianity. And you never get to where she was when you're struggling here, tithing, serving others to the glory of God, faithfully attending worship services, reading and studying your Bible. If you, if you don't get here with basic Christianity, you don't get there, because you're still fighting with God over things that are just basic Christianity doesn't mean you're not a christian you're not you know following after god but you're struggling in the basics right but our military guys went through basic training believe me they they got good at what they told them to do because they were wanting them to advance and get out of basic training right and we have christians that are lifelong in basic training right that is the Bugle is going off at 6 a.m. And, you know, it's like, "Ah, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. Uh, The sergeant screaming at him, you know, whatever. It's just a lifelong basic training, you know. And it's like, God, I want to get somewhere else. And I think there were probably some people in that room as they were watching what she did. There had to be people who said, I want to get there. I want to get there, you know. I've had people say that, you know, um, about my wife, Michelle, they they listen to her pray and, and, you know, kind of get into the presence of God. I want to get there. And, you know, you can get there. You can. But we have to, we have to do well right here in basic training because when, when God comes, you know, asking for the sacrificial gift, if we are struggling in the basics, we're not, we're, we're not going to, to be able to do that. If you're struggling in the basics, you're, you're going to struggle to ever get to the sacrificial surrender to God, that Romans chapter 12, to stretch ourselves out and become that living sacrifice. It's a problem with uh, having a living sacrifice. That's why they 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 didn't have living sacrifices in, in the days, you know, uh, in, in Old Testament days. They made sure that you know, that calf didn't get up, <laughs> right, or the lamb or whatever, because that, that's problematic when they get up and take off, you know, and, and that's what happens with living sacrifices. We get up and walk away, and that's how God wants us to come, though, is a living sacrifice, willingly laying down and surrendering ourselves to God. He loves you so much. Would you stand with us as we pray? Father, this day, we want to honor you by offering our very best to you. Lord, we want to get past just living in the basics. We want to be obedient to you in the basics of Christianity so that we might advance to sacrificial living and giving where we can become Lord, those who point others to you, not by our words, but by our actions. That others will have a testimonial of us that we came to Jesus. We offered him everything and we live that out on a daily basis because we are not about securing our future, we're about you securing our future. We want you to be in charge of all of our lives, of every decision that we make. Every every time we have tried, it's led us to destruction. So we will stop serving just the urgent things that are arising up in our life, and we will make a priority of giving ourselves to you on a daily basis. We are your living sacrifice. Can you take just a moment and Say, yes, Lord, that's me. I'm your living sacrifice. I want to give all to you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Let's worship him in song. Thank you, Jesus.